The podcast that you're about to hear contains acts of sex and violence. The hosts do not claim to be experts on the subjects that they present. Listener discretion is advised. All right, boys and girls, and welcome back to Brutal Nation. I'm your host, Scott Alexander, right across from me is the one, the only, the drag queen herself, Tammy, (laughs) the fabulous Underwood. (laughs) Say, oh my God, Tom. Hi. (laughs) That's Alaska. Hi. That's gay as fuck. (laughs) I love her as a drag queen, though. I mean, in my top five, she is. But no... They're making fun of me because my makeup routine is very elaborate. And I decided that uh, you put the, so many layers on your damn eyes. It's fifty. It's fifty shades of disappointment. No, that's what that is. I 50 do a base layer to set my primer. Then I do a like a contour my crease because I have hooded eyes. And then I do layers of three going sideways, not up and down. Because if you have hooded eyes, it doesn't matter. And then I do the top part. It's kind of like getting a fucking car painted, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> then I do a little. Part, uh, you know, right up to my brow bone that complements them all to draw them all together. So, 50 Shades of Disappointment. Yeah. All right. So, let's talk about the narco Satanist. Take it away. Yes. So, this case I'm presenting it's about Adolfo de Jesus Castanzo, which, aka El Padrino or the Godfather is Matamoros, and then his partner, Sarah Maria Aldrede, when she was called La Madrina. Madrina which is the godmother of Matamoros. And I cannot roll my R's, so bear with me, people. Um, Both of these were powerful leaders of a drug smuggling organization in Matamoros, Tamaulipas, Mexico in the 80s. Did I say that right? You got it. Okay, good. However, in 1986, and the beginning of 1986 through May 6th of 1989, they were also the leaders of a cult the media started referring to as Los Narcosatanicos or the Narcosatanists. This cult believed that if they practiced rituals that involved mutilation, sacrifice, and human organs, their drug smuggling organization would be protected from, like, the law. So in the past, we've talked about people who have attributed their murders to occult practices. I mean, there's Richard Ramirez and... um, Oh... Who else? What uh, there was another one I can't remember his name. Jen Dahl. <laughs> no, um, what's his name? The the vampire of Sacramento. Oh, um, um, we just did him too. Oh no, he was way back in the beginning. Did, oh no, we did a different vampire. Yeah, I can't remember his name right offhand, and I feel bad. Um, but anyways, they attribute their murders to occult practices. However, despite that, serial killers committed. Serial killings committed in the name of occult practices have long since been debunked by experts in the field. However, it is a proven fact that serial killings and mass murders can be attributed to cult practices. Okay? Now, some of you might be saying, whoa, wait a minute. I thought you just said that the concept has already been debunked. Didn't you just contradict yourself? No, I didn't. Because there's a difference. A lot of people think they're the same, but there's a difference. And I'll kind of explain that real quickly. Um, First, there's the occult. There is no precise definition, mainly because the practices that are associated with the occult occult ideology can vary depending on the concept which they're practiced. 
you know, even though the origin of the word can be traced back, it wasn't applied to various belief systems and practices associated with it today until more recent centuries. I mean, it can range anywhere from alchemy to talismans and scrying and, you know, magic runes, mysticism. All that kind of stuff. Even Kabbalah is considered an occult practice. I thought that was a drink I bought at the bar. No. Kabbalah. Kabbalah. Now, then you have cult. Today, we associate... That's a band. (laughs) The cult. They are. are, We associate that term with the fringe philosophical, religious, or spiritual belief systems. Systems that have been developed, embraced, enforced, or perpetuated by one charismatic leader. Jim Jones. Perfect example. Yeah. I mean, I don't believe that um, that guy down in Waco. Oh, Koresh. Yeah. I don't believe he had a cult because I, I mean, there's controversy behind that case. So it wasn't until recent history that the word cult actually took on a negative connotation. Okay. Because it used to be just a small group of people who adhered to what others would consider uncommon philosophies. Um. Now, in order to do this episode, this case, I'm going to start at the end, okay? Matamoros, Mexico is actually just right across the Rio Grande River from Brownsville, Texas. It has, it's a popular hangout for college students since the 30s. It's like spring break, right? It's a typical border town with everything that it implies. There's prostitution, sex shows, alcohol, and drugs galore. And then there's p- rampant poverty and crime. So every spring, approximately 250,000 students travel to, I mean, will go to Brownsville and then, you know, cross the border en masse. Now, they will, a lot of them, it's like right after finals or spring break or whatever. Um, and it's also a way for them to sow their wild oats in another country. So those who come to celebrate and who came to celebrate in March of 89 didn't know that Matamoros had already logged 60 unsolved disappearances since New Year's that year. If they had known, you know, few of them probably would have cared because they thought, oh, you know, I'm with a crowd of people. I'm untouchable. So one of them, one of those people was actually a guy by the name of Mark Kilroy. He was a pre-med junior attending the University of Texas. Now, his friends actually lost track of him in Matamoros in the pre-dawn hours, you know, right before dawn on March 14, 1989. They reported his disappearance the next day, okay, when they realized, hey, we haven't seen him for a whole day. So unlike the other people who had disappeared, you know, over time since the beginning, he was an Anglo, you know, American white American with connections. He had an uncle who was actually employed with the U.S. Customs Service. Okay? So his disappearance conjured up memories of um, a murder that happened with Enrique Camarena um, four years before that, which, you know, involved Mexico's sinister uh, narco-traficantes, I think is how it's pronounced. You got it. Okay, see? Now, this heat was immediate and intense. It's like as soon as he was reported missing, it was like, boom, we're going to look for him. And there was a $15,000 reward which led to his safe recovery or the rest of his abductors. Now, officials from America actually kept a close eye on the case, you know, because American law enforcement cannot, 
you know, go into Mexico to, like, work a crime unless they're invited. Right. You know, and it's usually the FBI who has to be invited. And then they have to be invited by the federales. That's right, the federales. So while, <laughs> not the emigre, so while. La migra. Oh, well, okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> so while the Matamoros police, they interrogated approximately 127 known criminals in the area. So, and back then, and let's, you know, let's face it, they have different interrogation techniques in Mexico. This process of interrogation would often involve be- getting beat with clubs or being being forced to drink carbonated water with hot sauce mixed in. Could you imagine? That actually sounds really good. No, the carbonated water would enhance the... I know. Uh, oh, you like hot sauce, though. I, that, uh, that's why I drink like a carbonated and drink when I'm They would spray sauce. it in the suspect's nostrils. Yes! I call that Tuesday night. That's foreplay. <laughs> that's nothing. They can't handle that, and you guys are Mexicans? Give me a break, man. I call that foreplay. Try now, putting it in your pee hole. <laughs> so, of course, you know, this was in vain. Some of those were held for questioning. Some of those... Who were held for question were actually fugitives, so they had to remain in jail. But none of them knew or had seen Mark Kilroy, so of course it remained a mystery. However, during that same time, Mexican authorities were also busy with one of their, uh, you know, they have periodic anti-drug campaigns. So they set up roadblocks and had um, what are those called uh, checkpoints? Yep. And they swept border districts for smugglers. These operations were designed to leave the wealthy drug lords unscathed, but target their runners. All right? Because, hey, we know the cartels over there making and selling the drugs, but we're going to go after the little guy. Yeah. You yeah. want to know why? Politics and money. Yeah. Because they can, yeah, because they have more little guys out there than they have cartel. Yeah, and, th- and a lot of federales are employed by the cartel. And think about the... the um <clears throat> the financial and political aspect of that. So, if you're making money from the cartel, and you and you're arresting the little guy, well, the public's going, "Well, look, they're doing their job. Yeah, they're getting the bad guy. Yeah, in reality, you're not. Right. You're just you're getting. That's like um, I don't know. That's like arresting somebody on a bicycle for speeding, <laughs> but letting the guy in the Porsche do a hundred and ten in a school zone. That's what that is. That, 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 that's all that is. It's, yeah, it's fun. that's like shaving the front of your legs and not getting the hole. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Get, shaving your legs and not getting the hole? <laughs> the whole leg. Oh, I thought you meant like... Shaving the front, but you not the back. you shaving your hole while you shave your not legs, back. like in the back? I can't even see how you can reach that far back. Anyway. Let's, let's see. So... Do you have um, mirrors? Like, do you squat up. over a mirror? Okay, I, now, I'm you're just getting curious. off topic. I'm just curious now. So, now... They would actually go, we just talked about the low people on the tonal pole. Well, one of those people was actually very well known in that area. A guy by the name of Serafine Hernandez Garcia. This 20-year-old man was the nephew and actually a lackey or drug runner for a baron, drug baron named Elio Hernandez Rivera. So on April 1st, 1989, Serafine actually drove past the checkpoint and seeming he was oblivious, apparently, to those uniform officers guarding the highway. So they pursued him, right? 
He still ignored them until he led them to a rundown ranch, right? So a quick search of that property revealed occult paraphernalia and traces of marijuana. Now, eight days later... Not marijuana. Right? Oh, my gosh. Traces of, Well, back in the, the 80s, people didn't realize how great it was. The criminality <laughs> Then wait. So eight days later, the police came back in force and arrested Seraphine and another dealer by the name of David Serena Valdez. Not Juan Valdez. So they were in custody and they seemed, you know, kind of relaxed. Defiant even because, you know, nothing's going to happen to them. They're related to this drug lord. Um, however, the authorities couldn't hold them, and but they, you know, could not hold them. And they insisted they were protected by a power over and above that surpassed man's law. However, still they remained in jail while the detectives actually, you know, interrogated the person who owned the ranch and the caretaker readily named other members of Hernandez's drug syndicate as frequent visitors as to what is known as Rancho Santa Elena. And so another one-time visitor apparently was none other than Mark Kilbury. Now he was identified from his school photograph. So while these guys were in custody, Serafine freely admitted that he actually participated in Kilbury's abduction and murder. Because you know what? He can admit this because he's above the law, apparently. So he, was, he also said it was one of many that had been committed over the past year or so at that ranch. So these slings were actually considered human sacrifices to this group. So he exclaimed that they were executed, carried out to secure occult protection for various drug deals. He said, it's our religion, our voodoo. Okay? So Hernandez actually identified the leader of this cult and he named him by name, Adolfo de Jesus Constanzo, and he was, apparently he was a master practitioner of African magic called uh, no, I'm not good at African names, so Helena, bear with me. No, it's blah, 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 blah. <laughs> no, <laughs> stop. stop. That it's Paulo Mayombe. It was um, M A Y O M P A L O space M A Y O M B E. You should have told me. I would have sent it over to our fucking South African listeners and said, "Hey, how the fuck do you say this shit?" Now he actually ordered the slings. He, you know, and he tortured and sodomized other the victims before they were killed, and their organs were harvested in his cauldron his ritual cauldron oh, that's close Apparently, i don't harvest, or- like, I don't harvest boil, organs but that's boil, wednesday toy- what is it boil boil toiling trouble trouble yeah uh, you know what i had it in my brain and now i can't remember so i know i can't remember it's from a um shakespeare play but so the authorities went back to the ranch with you know seraphine with them and he pointed out that his the cult's private graveyard and then when they asked him he actually took a shovel and dug up 12 bodies that were buried well the, all at, at least a, they were lazy. all buried in a row too hey he's not lazy man <laughs> he's willing to put in the work i kind of i, I admire that now some of the vic- all the victims were of course men some were shot you know close range probably you know execution style and others had been hacked with a machete the machete. Machete. <laughs> machete. That movie. 
with um, what's his name? Danny Trujillo. Yeah, I love him. Now, one of those was actually Mark Kilroy, and his skull had been split open, and his brain was not there, like San's brain. I know a lot of people that I interact with that their brain is not there, and they're not buried. (laughs) They're just walking around. I'm going to spit out my drink again. Remember, swallow. (laughs) So Hold the back of your head while you do it. There was a shed on the property, so when detectives went and, you know, searched the shed, they found the cast iron, you know, cauldron, which has a name. It's called Naganga, N-G-A-N-G-A. There was, it was like filled with blood, animal remains, and 28, like, sticks, twigs. And this is the Palos of Palo Mayambe. So Cassandra's disciples said they used to communicate with spirits in the afterlife. They would float in the pot with these sticks would float in the pot with spiders, scorpions, and other items that couldn't be identified. And that's where they found Mark's brain. Now, they knew the, you know. Hold on, hold on. Does that mean his brain was high on pot? (laughs) High in pot. Well, okay. I'm just asking With for spider a scorpions and other items. Spiders and scorpions oh. and bears. Oh my! <laughs> now the authorities knew that they the the person they were looking for was obviously a madman. He was wealthy one at that. Now he was surrounded by disciples who were well armed and very cunning. The only thing they didn't know about him was where he was. Nobody knew. Now, I'm going to get into Adolfo's life. He was actually born in the U.S. in Miami on November 1st, 1962. Another person from fucking Florida that's a nut job. <laughs> I don't want to point any names of nut jobs from Florida, all of Jacksonville and Jen Now, his mother was a 15-year-old Cuban immigrant, and, the first of her, and he was the first of her three children by three different fathers, which I'm not going to say is bad. Because, quite frankly, my mom had three children by three different fathers. Just saying. She had ADD, man. All different dads. (laughs) Yeah. So when he was approximately six months old, um, Delia Aurora Gonzalez de Valle and her son, you know, Adolfo, actually were blessed by a Haitian priest of this religion, the Palomayombe. So they accepting the father's judgment that her son was, quote, a chosen one and destined for power. Now, Adolfo was still an infant, of course. He was only six months old when his mother moved to San Juan, Puerto Rico. And while he was baptized a Catholic, he ser- and even served briefly as an altar boy. That explains a lot. True a little priest action. Remained this dark voodoo secret. Now, he would em- she immersed herself in this religion, and then she taught her son, likewise, kind of like Scientology. Now, he trusted, she trusted his magic education to other practitioners in San Juan and in Haiti. And then in 1972, they returned to Miami, and he started his full-time apprenticeship with a Haitian priest in Havana, Little Havana. Now, his mom, you know, was a habitual criminal. She had been arrested 30 times on various charges from shoplifting to trespassing, trespassing, check fraud, grand theft, and child neglect. 
Don't say anything about prostitution. Really? Okay, no, I, I got to be honest. I, I'm, I'm a little bit shocked because usually when it comes to... I, I, okay, number one, ladies, don't give me your bullshit over what I'm ready to say. I just see patterns. Normally, when it comes to a kid and the mom being arrested, prostitution... Is usually high usually, on the list. Yeah. yeah, fits in there pretty quick. You know, it's usually charges including prostitution, burglary, da 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 Yeah. I'm I'm actually more shocked, right? That she didn't get popped for sucking dick for money, right? Or they're hussies, you know, shameless like, hussy, like Bobby Joe Long's mom who worked in bars and like oh, brought home God, men every yes. night, different men every night. That's so hot. Whatever. Ah, uh, yes. However, those charges never seem to stick. It's like she was never convicted on them. Okay, uh, maybe Just she is charged, a hussy, not convicted, and she always managed to, you know, not even get probation. So she credited the failure of the law to prosecute her to her her religion. She actually left a string of rented houses vandalized in Miami. There was blood they were bloodstained and littered with the remains of animals that had been sacrificed. Now she all her neighbors also, you know, <laughs> whispered behind their, you know, behind their hands because nobody actually came out and told her to her face. They were scared that she was a witch. And anybody who, you know, made her mad was likely to find goat heads or, no, they're goats without heads or chicken or chickens with their head cut off on their doorstep. That sounds more like Santeria. It does kind of sound like it, doesn't it? Yeah, that's okay. But I, I don't judge, man. What do you do, fucking Mumbambe or fucking Santeria or you're fucking Catholic? As long as you're not molesting kids, Catholics pointing my finger at you. Yeah, <sighs> carry on, do your thing. So, of course, you know, seeing his mother do this and everything, and how she's getting away with crime, you know, Adolfo followed in her footsteps. Obviously, he would cruise, he would drive around Miami and visit gay bars while he was a teenager. He also started indulging in what's considered petty crime. He wasn't a very good student of anything except for his black magic. But he graduated near... He ended up graduating, but he was like the bottom of his class, right? And he actually dropped out of junior college um, after one semester. You know? Because, frankly, he had interests in other areas. He wanted to keep learning the secrets of the witchcraft from his mentor. This Black Magic 101 class sucks. I'm out of here. Out. I'm out like a pregnant woman's belly button. <laughs> like a turkey timer. Out like a pregnant woman's belly button. I always call that uh, the turkey timer. <laughs> you know she's ready. It goes, pop. Oh, okay, Let's, uh, that bun's ready to come out the oven. Right. Now, him and his mentor actually were grave robbers. And they did this to, you know, to fill the cauldron with... and. The blood that spilled over voodoo dolls to curse their enemies. Now, this religion is an am- considered an amoral religion because it doesn't draw a line between black and white magic. It leaves the practitioner who choose to choose their own path without being judged for it. All right, so some might practice black magic, some might practice white magic, kind of like which you know, uh, not Wicca because that's usually you know, but you know what I mean. Yes. So now. You know, drug dealers in the area would frequently trust the, you know, their beliefs to protect their outlaw enterprise. But Adolfo's godfather had, you know, stern words of advice. He said, 
Let the non-believers kill themselves with drugs. We will profit from their foolishness. Okay? So by 1976, Adolfo's mother actually later claimed that he had begun to, you know, she thought he, he was psychic. He would predict the future with amazing accuracy. You know, kind of like Nostradamus. However, months before the 1981 shooting of, you know, Ronald Reagan by John Hinckley, wasn't John Hinckley Jr., he reportedly predicted that that was going to happen and also predicted that Reagan would survive. Now, he didn't have much luck foretelling his own future, but then they say seconds so. And, but because he was, a, he didn't, you know, predict that he was going to be arrested twice for shoplifting in 1981, and one of those thefts was actually a chainsaw. Hey, hey, hey he's the same, got same. Charles Ing beat because Charles <laughs> Ing just part of Vice. No, that uh, the, the the only reason that Ing got even pop was because uh, Lake, his partner, put up a fight with the goddamn cops. Yeah. Yeah, Over yeah. a goddamn vice. No, well, no, because he paid for it. He ended up paying for it, but there was a, a weapon with a silencer in his trunk because they asked to search his trunk, remember? Right, no, and that's what I was yeah. getting at, yeah. you know? Um, so that's the same, same right there. I wonder yeah. if they all know each other. Ah, probably, you know. Part of the dumbass union. I know. Now, come early parts of 1983, Adolfo had actually chosen, had made a choice on his patron seat. Oh, this is going to be hard. He pledged his life to, I'm not even going to say it, K-A-D-I-E-M-P-E-M-B-E, which is his relation, his religion. Kadiem Pembe? Okay. No, party on with yeah. that. Go Anyways, for it. Which is actually their version of Satan. You know, the devil. So, Lucifer, if you will. So, his... Um, Godfather's blessing with the Godfather's blessing, he actually devoted himself to worshiping this evil aspect of the religion for a prophet. El Diablo. His initiation, the last part of his initiation included ritual scarring. It's where his mentor took a knife to carve mystical symbols into his flesh. Um, and, you know, Adolfo actually claimed you know, shouted out during the height of this ceremony, you know, some people refer to it as climax of the ceremony. He shouted out, my soul is dead. I have no God. Uh, well, that sounds weird. Yeah. It's not. And let me tell you, explain why. We have tattoos. Right. Some right. people get branded at a, yes. you know, a tattoo party and get branded. Things like that. So on the surface for the story, it sounds weird, but it really isn't. Right. Because we all have scarring in one way or another that we've done to ourselves. If you have even a tattoo, right? Just saying. So yeah, that's true. I carry have on my wayward son. I have three of them. When my grandma saw the one on my ankle, she about had a hissy fit, but she didn't say anything about my sisters. I'm just saying. That's because uh, your sister's fucking awesome. <laughs> but you know who's even better? Your mom. No, Chris. <laughs> oh my god. You know what? Okay, we talked about this. The only reason why you pick on Chris is because he's got the same name as Chris in Family Guy. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it right yeah, there. It's like, you know, you have nothing against my cousin. Everybody but Chris, keep a pants on. <laughs> I'm sorry, Chris. I'm so sorry. I'm not. Where's my baby boy? Chris. Uh, now, um, 
Adolfo actually got a modeling gig, which took him to Mexico City in 1983. And then once he was there, he spent his free time, you know, taking out the tarot cards and telling, you know, fortunes to people along this uh, Zona Rosa, which is a popular hangout where prostitutes actually. New prostitution had to work into this somehow. Oh, of course it did. Now, before he returned returned to Miami, he actually started recruiting his first disciples. And one of those was a guy by the name of Martin Quintana Rodriguez. Of course, I tried to roll my R and it sounded horrible. Rodriguez. Now, he was considered, oh, another guy, a homosexual psychic, Jorge Montes, and I almost Omar Oria Ochoa. And when I first read it, I thought it said Oreo. <laughs> Just saying. If I ever have another kid, that's what my name is, Oreo. Now, yeah, and Omar has, had actually, you know, was already obsessed with the occult since he was 15 years old. Now, let's, he, you know, he actually seduced Quintana and Oria, Oreo um, by claiming one as his man and the other as his woman. So apparently one was the top the other one was the bottom you know one have effeminate features well you know once you've seen one you've seen them all <laughs> now however let's just let's just get this straight you would think that one was you know the manly man and one was the effeminate one no he would switch up his names for them as man and woman depending on his whims at any particular moment Jesus Christ <laughs> all right so by mid-1984, he actually moved to Mexico City, you know, permanently. Um, he went there seeking what his mother referred to as New Horizons, you know, fresh start. He actually started sharing an apartment with Quintana and Orea in, in their, like, bizarre threesome, right? And I'm not saying a threesome is, you know, bad. It's just the way that he had it set up where one was a man, one, you know, his man and woman, depending on how we felt that day. That's kind of bizarre to me. No, it's not to me. That's that, that that's just their fetish. That, that fetish right, that goes into usually, what we were talking about before. Usually Fetishes. when you talk about, you know, the homosexuals, homo, a homosexual, they either prefer, they either Hold consider the themselves like on. a manly man or an effeminate woman. You just went, well, when you're talking about the I know. Homo- like, like I only creatures? said it because, no, I only you know, said the homos. because I read it, I read it right here. You, you, ma'am, <laughs> you are a homophobic person. No, and I, I don't even want to talk to you. No, what no, I no, meant. too late, too late. You already fucked it up. You know, you know the homos. That's <laughs> not what I meant. I read it, and it's like never Look mind. At him. He's a he's a pole I smoker. I hate you. That's <laughs> not what I meant. You know that. Damn, the you homos know, no, are like, you a, know that they're like for a weird. Fact. They're like a weird creature. Okay, you know what? Next time you read something and you go to say the same thing out, you know something similar out loud. I can't wait till you fuck it up. Oh, I know. I will. I fuck I things up all the time. <laughs> now I just like fucking with you. Cause yeah, because usually, my day. you know, usually. You know they have a preference. It's the, it doesn't switch up like that. Okay, I'm gonna take your word for it. Well, not that I. I mean, uh huh. <laughs> Dig that hole. Whatever. Not that I know a that, lot of the I mean, homos. That's that <laughs> not what I meant. But that's that's what I've come to understand by reading and watching TV. That's what I came to understand by watching the homos. I hate you. One slip up and I can't even <laughs> live it down because everybody knows I know. Oh, everybody yeah. everybody knows. knows how you feel about the homos. 
hate you. God dang, man. Now, while they participated in their, like, relationship, I guess it would be considered, what did they call them? Trouble? I guess. I don't know. know. Or, I can't even remember the correct term. Thruple? Yeah, there we go. A thruple. Where, um, and it's called oh, polyamorous. Yes. Okay. Now, they while they were doing this, they also started recruiting other followers for his as his magic reputation, and I'm using quotes here, spread throughout the city because word spread that apparently he was psychic and could read the cards well. And that he was a, a homo. <laughs> I hate you. Totally different species. The homos. Okay, that is enough. I know I'm laughing about it, That's enough. Fine, carry on. <laughs> Anyways, people started saying that Adolfo could read the future. And that he was booking Penup. Anyway, go ahead. And he he also offered his followers, or those who came to see him, ritual cleansings known as limpias. Uh, And those were for the people who felt their enemies had already cursed them. Because um, I don't know if it's still the fact today, but from my understanding, um, a lot of people you know, in Mexico really believe in curses. And I think that goes with the Catholic religion from my understanding. Actually, it's weird that you say that on a serious note. Cause, uh, yeah. Cause I, I know was that it's talking to, who the fuck was I talking? Oh, I think I was talking to Jen about this. Oh, I thought you were going to say Joel or my favorite ex-wife. No, 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 no. Um, and I remember, uh, talking to this one chick who was from Mexico you know, mm-hmm. she just uh, and, and and what have not, and we were just talking about different things, and some of the things they believe kind of threw me off. Um, one They're of the very things, superstitious. Well, she goes, she goes. Well, I would never let a dog sleep on the bed, and I go, well, okay, why? Because you'll die. I was what? My dogs, are, I'm not dead. My dogs sleep on the bed. You know, just uh, weird things like that. You know, like uh, and cats too. Like, you'll die. They'll kill you. Oh my god, Danny would have a shit fit. <laughs> Dini already gets mad if anybody spends the night and sleeps on her side of the bed. I know. I know. She has literally come up to me and tried to smother me in my sleep. Don't blame her. I've tried to do that a few times, too. <laughs> That's no lie. I woke it up and her fur is like right there in my face. But um, So, yeah, th- there's different superstitions and things that I have right. found. With yeah, people that are actually from well, Mexico. And that goes along with their, uh, what was that ritual you just said a little bit ago? With where, the Santeria? Yeah, there we go. I can remember it. The, you know, because that's a superstition and people actually believe that that's a curse. And you know what I mean? Yes. That yes, if yes. somebody arrives with an animal hat, has an animal head posted out or a human head posted outside their door, they're cursed. Um, um, if you got a human head <laughs> posted outside your door, that is some cursed shit. I'm not going in. No. <laughs> no. Don't care. Or, or coming out. Nope. Not yeah. going to do it. I'm going to walk but up see, and go, is that fret? Nope. Fuck that. We talked about this kind of with... Um, uh, Oh, the, um, the, the mucho, the, you know, the wrestler down in Mexico. Oh, the Lucha Libre. Yeah, Lucha Libre. I, I, I couldn't just remember saw her, her name. name, too. God yeah, damn I can't it. remember um, her name either, but, you know, she was called the Granny Killer, basically. Yeah, because that's And they that's thought she was she a did. man, because she had that, you know. Right, because she posed as a state worker, as a yeah. uh, home care worker, yeah. and would go in and kill these old ladies. But, yeah, yeah. she had very manly... Right, and um, she had, features. like, super... I mean, some people in the villages started, like, you know, 
thinking that it was ritualistic kind of thing. Right, right, right. I just so, saw her name, like, literally yesterday. Juanita something. Yeah. Uh, I can't me. remember her last name either. They're all Juanita to me. So anyway, go ahead. <laughs> I know. That's what you call my favorite ex-wife, too. That's what I call my first ex-wife. Look here, Juanita. Juanita. <laughs> so, um, anyways, so, of course, he charged them money. Anytime he performed a ritual, he would charge the person money. And he also kept a very detailed journal, which was recovered later. Um, he, those journals documented 31 regular customers, and some of them would pay as much as $4,500 for one cleansing. Okay, but uh, I don't even see that as weird or bad. And let me tell you why. Because whether you have gifts or not... Right, and people go pay for psychics and everything. You still need so. to eat. That's true, too. You know, you still need food. You still need shelter. You need clothes and things like well, that. And, and what are you going to do? Live piss-ass poor and not eat and go right. without meals and shit? Go, and, let me just give you this for free? No, it's, right. You got to use what you got. But let's be honest. I mean, I don't believe half or even more than half the psychics out there are true psychic. I agree. Uh, however, they charge for their services, and people will pay boatloads of money for it. Yeah, no, I, I know agree. Some, I, agree. I know some people that have literally spent thousands of dollars because they have to see their psychic at least maybe once a week, if not every other week. That's why that big old scam with, uh, do you remember back in the 90s? Yeah. Psychic Network. Uh, yeah, and her, uh, Cleo, Miss Cleo. Miss Cleo. It yep. was a huge scandal. It was a and huge scam. And these people were just answering the phone from their home and had scripts to follow. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I Ms. watched the documentary. Miss Cleo was making a lot of money, man. Yeah. You know, if because you want to know, on. call Miss Cleo. Yeah, uh, it, it was a huge scam, and people were yeah. like dumping, like literally, she was making. Yeah, because that's back with nine hundred numbers, and you were charged what a dollar fifty a minute or something, something like that. Some bullshit like that. It was yeah. crazy because I remember calling one of those numbers, and my mom had a shit. But yeah, bottom line is, people here charge for it because that's right. their that's their, their their business. So whether you have the gift or not, you still need to eat. You still need to clothe yourself. You still need food, water, ba- basic necessities. So right. I don't see any problem with him if whether he has it or not, because people are going to pay because they get a value out of it. Right. Whether you're full of shit or you're dead accurate. Right, and a lot of this is just, like, psychosomatic, too. Right, you right, know? right. Because a lot of people, because, you know, psychics are, these psychics who are not true psychics are trained to pick up on different clues, like micro-expressions and right. voice changes. And, you know, because somebody says, oh, you're going to meet a married man. It's like, oh. It's like, you know, like, oh, you probably already met him. You know, yeah, tall, you, dark, and handsome. You, you can probably look at somebody's demeanor, number one. Right. And see, okay, they have a wedding ring. They don't have a re- wedding ring. And right. then you can kind of guess. You can go, I have a feeling that there's a man that you're either you know, going to meet I'm or, or, or you have me. Or, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm getting the letter. Is it a B or an R? And they're like, Oh, my God. His name is Carl. <laughs> there's an R in there. There's an R in there. That's, that's right. just how most of them operate. Most yeah, of them are full of shit. They are. Now, um, and I remember uh, Sylvia Brown, she was huge back in the day, but she was totally discredited and like, kind of dropped off the face of the earth when she predicted that one girl who was uh, held captive in the house in, I think, Ohio uh-huh. with three other pe- two other girls, she predicted that that girl was dead. Yeah, and I, so she totally lost credibility. My stepmom 
totally believed in her bullshit. I said, nah. Dude, I read almost all her books. I went, eh, this woman's full of shit. Yeah. I even went to go see her when she was at the schnitz. Yeah, because she, I, I knew she was full of shit. Right. And, no, she isn't. She's, she's for real. No, she isn't. Yeah. She's full of fucking shit. Well, and Montel had her on like every month. So he also came up with a menu with prices for sacrificial animals. Now, get this. If you wanted a rooster... A rooster's head, that's only six bucks. You know, just toss a five and a one at him. So hold on. How about if I want a side of fries with that? <laughs> I don't and a, know. And a, and a large, and I a want a large, large Sprite. A large Diet Coke. <laughs> yes, please. Um, so I'll take the cock. <laughs> the cock sacrifice with a, with a large fry and a Diet, Diet Coke. Coke. Like, that can, sounds pretty good. Can I get good. an apple pie, too? And an apple pie. Can I supersize that, please? <laughs> because I want a lot of cock. I want a large fry. <laughs> and a large fry. <laughs> but I want that diet drink to counteract that large fry. <laughs> I always thought that was funny when I worked at McDonald's. I, 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 need the, I, I need the large drink to wash all that big cock down my throat. <laughs> Anyways. That's horrible. If Jesus somebody Christ. wanted a goat's head, that cost 30 bucks. Right. If they wanted the head of a boa constrictor... That's $450. Now, these next two, I'm really pissed off about. He would also sacrifice adult zebras for $1,100 or African lion cubs for $3,100. Jeez. Which I don't, I mean, because I don't believe in murdering an animal unless it's for um, survival purposes. Like hunting, where you actually... uh, Use or utilize the entire animal. You knew that I was going to say that, though, because I, I have the same thing. Well, I mean, yeah. I hunt, but I There's I, I also the exotic animals. hunting, which is why I will not eat at Jimmy John's, and I encourage other people not to, because he literally goes out and hunts exotic animals just to hang their head on his wall. If I want exotic animals, I go to the strip club. <laughs> and I'm sorry. I don't know anybody on the face of this planet, unless, I mean, I could be mistaken. I'm sure there's some tribes out there, you know, the indigenous tribes, who will eat an elephant. You know what they I'm saying? They look chewy. They just look too they chewy. They look tough. Yeah. You like know? That's, you can't put enough Besides, fucking uh, tenderizer on that. I know. And an elephant, I, I believe, is my spirit animal. Well, you guys got something in common. Anyway, go ahead. I hate you. He's such an asshole. Yeah, because I'm loyal to a fault. Oh, yeah, that must be it. I hate you. Now, the true teachings of his mentor, um, no, true to the teachings of his mentor, Adolfo would charm these wealthy drug dealers, right? He would help them schedule their shipments and the meetings they had on his predictions. He would do these predictions for him, you know, but for a price, he also offered magic that would help them and their bodyguards be invisible to the police and bulletproof from their enemies. Like they could get shot at and nothing going to happen. And they're going to believe this bullshit. Uh, of course they did. Now, of course. Okay, look, I believe some <laughs> stupid shit. Like, like, no, I'm a real woman. Um, you know, uh, I don't have a penis. Things like that. But somebody said, you'll be invisible and you can't die if you get shot. Um, yeah. No police nope. officers. You can do whatever you want under the authorities' notes. And if somebody shoots a bullet at you, not, not gonna, like Superman, it's just going to bounce right off, right? Yeah, I got to call bullshit on that. I mean, I've well, never been that stupid. And that's just what it says. It says that's bullshit. It doesn't say bullshit. It says nonsense. But it's bullshit. You know, however, these smugglers were 
had come from Mexico, you know, the Mexican peasants. You know, some of them worked their way up to the top. Sí, so they had a background in witchcraft or brujer, bru, brujeria. Brujeria. Thank you. I told you I cannot roll my R's. It's fine. Go ahead. So, so they were strongly inclined to believe what he was telling them, which gets us back to that superstition. Now, according to his detailed journals, one of the me- dealers in Mexico City paid him a sum of $40,000 over three years for those services that he provided. Damn, so, business is good, man. I know. At those rates, the customers demanded some, you know, something for it. And he recognized the folly of disappointing these guys who, like, slung Uzis on their back and had no problems using them and also had bulletproof limousines. So, but he was well established by mid-1985. So that's when he and three of his disciples raided a graveyard for human bones so he can start his own cauldron like his mentor had. So their rituals and mysterious, uh, mysterious, you know, demeanor surrounded Adolfo where, where they were powerful enough to lure a cross-section of society in Mexico. He had a clique of followers that actually included high-profile physicians, real estate agents, models, fashion models, and, of course, and don't get me wrong, I have no judgment here, because they're called transgender now, but back then they were called transvestite nightclub performers or cross-dressers. Right? Right. I didn't even make a joke. I know. I just want to point that out. I just want people to know that this is what the term was used back then. Venus with a penis. <laughs> See, now you made a joke. Couldn't help but it. But they're considered, you know, they're transgender. Um, or, you know, drag queens. Um, now, one of the most peculiar as- aspects of his new job was his the appeal he had for high-ranking law enforcement officials, right? At least four people of the federal judicial police joined his cult in Mexico City. One of them was Salvador Garcia Alarcón. Alarcón? Yeah, Cone. He was the commander in charge of narcotics investigations, which was probably why these drug dealers weren't getting busted. And then there was another... I I gotta interject. That's actually fucking genius. I know, right? You get... The head of the narcotics division on your side. <coughs> Excuse me. And then you tell the drug dealers, look, my great magic will protect right? you from all the, uh, the, the policia. And they're like, see, si, senor, it's going to protect us. And meanwhile, you're just telling your buddy over there, hey, man. You're taking a percentage of what you're taking from these drug dealers and paying the. Yeah, you're paying yeah. him. And you're going, hey, man, tell you what, here's some cash, you know. Make sure your guys aren't around this area uh, on right. this day. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, it's fucking genius. Or if they are, just let these people drive by like they're regular citizens. Yeah. That, that, that's yeah. brilliant. It's fucking brilliant. Right. And another one of his followers was a guy by the name of Florentino Ventura Gutierrez. That's now, a fucking name. I know, right? That's a superhero name. Now, he was actually... <laughs> from, uh, from Mexico? <laughs> like he drives an old fucking beat-up Cadillac and shit? Rusted you know out fenders? What? I'm sure there are Hispanic superheroes. As he's driving down the road, you hear... They're mucho libres. That's what you hear going down the road. Okay. No, I see that. <laughs> the polka music. 
He's just waving a green card everywhere. Okay, yeah, no, that's cool. Continue. He was actually a retired federale who who went on to work uh, as a head of the, oh, uh, no, yeah, the head of the Mexican branch of Interpol. Now, keep in mind, we talked about this already. Mexico was a country where bribery permeated every level of law enforcement and the federales agents. Some of these, sometimes it serves as triggermen for who, you know, these agents served as triggermen for drug lords. So corruption was nothing new. The devotion of his disciples seemed to run deeper, though, than simple greed. In or out of their uniform, these law officials worshipped him and considered him a minor god. Now, their living conduit to the spirit world, as, no, as their living conduit to the spirit world, because he was an ambassador of hell itself. You know, he sat at Satan's right hand. Then in 1986, um, Ventura, the, you know, the retired federale, introduced a, a Adolfo to a drug dealer, a drug dealing family, family by the name of Calzada. That was one of Mexico's more dominant mar- narcotics cartels. Now, Adolfo actually won this dealer over with his charm and his fast talk mumbo dumbo and actually profited immensely from the contacts in this gang. So by early 1987, he was actually uh, able to pay a $60,000 in cash for a condo in Mexico City and he had bought himself a fleet of luxury cars which included an $80,000 Mercedes. I don't know why he went for a Mercedes, but then whatever. So when he wasn't working his, quote, magic for this cartel or uh, some of his other clients, he would actually stage some scams, like grifting scams, on his own. Once he even posed as a DEA agent to steal from a Guadalajara cocaine dealer and then sold the stash through his police contacts and made a cool $100,000, right? So nothing like stealing from a you know drug dealer and selling it through your the authorities. So at some time during this, you know, from his journey from juvenile psychic to a high society, you know, magician, he began to feed his naganga or his you know, his ritualistic cauldron with human sacrifice offerings. The, there is no final number for the amount of victims. Or No, I'm sorry. For his vic- Yeah, there's no final number for the number of his victims. But 23 ritual murders have, were well documented and the authorities in Mexico also point out a rash of unsolved mutilation slayings in Mexico City during that time period. This would, you know, suggest that his known victims may be only the tip of this, you know, sadistic iceberg. So, no matter what, his uh, desire or willingness, without any qualms, to torture and murder absolute strangers, even his close friends, impressed these drug dealers who, you know, that's one of the reasons why they stayed his client. Because, you know, we all know drug cartel, you know, and I'm probably going to get shot for this, have no qualms about killing people. Yeah, I mean, they will shoot their cousin 
and they will shoot somebody walking down the street. So over one year of knowing the Calzada family, Aldelfo came to believe that his magical powers were responsible for their continued success and their survival. So by April of 1987, he actually demanded a partnership in this cartel, but they refused. So, you know, he was like, you know, from every intent and purposes, it was like, okay, no what, no biggie. However, he had already started to plot his revenge. How was he going to get even with this cartel? Then on April 30th, 1987, a guy by the name of Guillermo Calzada Sanchez and six other members of his household vanished. Nobody saw him again. Nobody knows what happened. Somebody reported them missing on May 1st, and the authorities, uh, when they searched the place, saw melted candles and evidence of a religious ceremony in Calzada's office. Now, six days later, uh, the authorities began fishing, pulling mutilated remains out of the Zumpongo River, and seven, you know, corpses or, you know, cadavers were actually in a week's time were taken out of the river all of them showed signs of torture sadistic torture with their either their toes their ears or their fingers chopped off they or their genitals and hearts were cut out of their you know the genitals cut off and their hearts removed but also part of their spine was ripped from them and then of course Two of those corpses didn't have a brain. Now, these missing parts, you know, had actually been put in Costanza's cauldron to build his strength to, you know, for the greater things he had to come. So by July 1987, he already knew who he had in mind to target for his religion. Now, let's get into Sarah Maria Algeri Villarreal full name four of them she was born in sept on september 6 1964 and she was her father was an electrician in matamoros now she actually you know traveled to the united states to attend high school at porter high school in brownsville and those teachers actually remember her as a model student she was a nice kid she was a, a star pupil and she was in secretariat while well, she was in secretarial school and the, her instructors actually urged her to attend real college instead of just community college courses. However, she fell in love. On October 31st, 1983, she married a, res, uh, a guy from Brownsville, Miguel Zacharias. He was 11 years older than her. Which I can't complain because I was born in 1975 and my ex-husband was born in 1959. So there you have it. Now, this relationship actually didn't last very long. Five months to be exact. They, so they were separated and headed for a divorce court. Then later in 1985, she applied for and got a resident alien status in the United States. Then after that, she enrolled in Texas Southmost College, which was a two-year school in Brownsville. Now, she was admitted on what they call a work-study program, 
And that would actually defer a portion of her tuition. And she began her classes in January of 1986. And she was studying physical education. She was a physical education major. She actually held down two part-time jobs as an assistant secretary and an aerobics instructor, instructor in their athletic department. So by the time her first semester was over, Sarah actually stood out physically and academically. She was six foot one, and she was so which was unusually tall for a Mexican woman, and her, her grades were phenomenal. She was actually one of 33 students chosen from this university of 6,500 student body for a listing in the school's Hoo Hoo directory of 1987 and 1988. Now, aside from those grades, which I was my sophomore year, but I digress. Aside from those grades that placed her on the honor roll or dean's list, she organized and led the booster club for their soccer team, and she earned the school's Outstanding Physical Education Award. So with a, I'm just going to finish this part. So with the, you know, her marriage <coughs> over, uh, Maria had moved back to her parents' house in Matamoros, and she started constructing a special outside stairway to the second floor. So, you know, she wanted to have her privacy and didn't want to go through the house and, you know, disturb her parents. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. So she was actually home on most weekends, especially during and during school vacations. What a good girl. She, I know. She looked forward to completing her education and transfer, even going on to a four-year college to bring her a, a PE teaching certificate so she could teach physical education. She was attractive and popular despite her six-foot-high, you know, six-foot-tall status. I can think of that is a tall that chick, That is a man. tall chick. And if she wore high heels, oh, my, because I'm 5'8", <laughs> and I used to have what I explained to Ward, a pair of hooker heels back in the day, and I would stand uh, right around six foot. Yeah. So do you mean on Sandy Boulevard now you wear flats? Fucking hate you. I'm just asking. Now, of course, like I said, she was attractive and popular with the, with the opposite sex. So in 1987, she started dating a guy by the name of Gilberto Sosa. He was actually a drug dealer with the Hernandez family. This makes me wonder something. What? Because we were talking about the... Uh, my brain leaks. Fuck. That, that, the women that are attracted to people in prison. God damn it. Oh, yeah. The hybristophilia. That's it. Because my brain's not working. I know. Because I just had to do an emergency run. But um, Right. It's a form of that. Yeah. So the, yeah. she's a good girl falling in love with a bad boy. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is this is pretty. I know. I mean, we can actually like you know associate that with a lot of things. Now, Maria was actually traveling through Matamoros on July thirtieth, nineteen eighty seven, when she came upon a shiny new Mercedes when it cut her off in 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 the road. But they barely, you know, they almost collided with each other. Now, the driver in the other vehicle was very apologetic for cutting her off. He was also very handsome and debonair, suave. It was me. So suave. It was me. Totally me. In 1987, you were barely 14. Mm, I've always been sexy, man. Always been sexy. This guy introduced himself as Adolfo Costanza. He said he was a Cuban-American 
American who had moved to Mexico City, and immediately she was. They were attracted to each other. However, he did not approach her sexually. He noted that she that her birthday was the same as his mother's. Right now, mommy issues. But get this: that meeting was no accident. Adolfo had been keeping an eye on Gilberto Sosa and his connections. So when she left, you know, when she left, that their encounter was carefully staged. And as was his friendship with her, he knew he was going to seduce her and her gradual induct, you know, being recruited into their cult. Now, two weeks after they first met, Costanzo met, um, Maria at Sosa. I'm hey, one and a half going. paragraphs. You're fine. And Sosa in Brownsville. Then you fill five minutes. <sighs> right. And he refused. But when he met them, he refused to shake Sosa's hand. Right. A couple days later, somebody who didn't reveal the name called and told Sosa that Maria was seeing another man. So he became jealous and refused to accept her denial, you know, her denials and immediately broke up with her. Now, she then in turn went to Adolfo, you know, for comfort. Now, she was shocked when he told her he had, you know, predicted in his head the breakup and, you know, by using his tarot cards. Now, Adolfo actually finally took her to his bed, but their union, their sexual, you know, relationship didn't last very long. He actually didn't even secretize his preference for men and she accepted now because she was already hooked on the religious aspect of their their relationship so by the end of that summer maria's classmates actually found she had changed so dramatically it was like uh when she became an overnight expert on this magic and witchcraft and she was actually eager to debate the powers of the darkness and the light so how so in the privacy of their own home, he had started calling her La Magina, which is the godmother of his cult. He would actually contact her links to the Hernandez clan and predicted that their leader, Elio, would soon approach her for advice about an issue he was having. So when he did in November 1987, she introduced him to Adolfo. So I'm going to end right there because Scott's giving me my three-minute warning. <laughs> um, so I'm going to end right there, and we can finish up the rest of this on the next episode. That works for me. Remember, boys and girls, you can send us an email at BrutalNation at TwistedBlueLLC.com. Check us out on Medium, Crime Beat on Medium, and wherever you get your blogs, log on to Facebook and join Citizens of Brutal Nation. Interact with us. I'm, just not, I'm not just an asshole on the show. I mean... <laughs> <laughs> this is true. It's, I'm, I'm everywhere with this shit, right? Let's see. Uh, make sure you check out Todd Colip and Tammy Underwood's book that they co-authored together. SK101. Available on Amazon, Amazon. and every, everywhere. It's just no, it's just Amazon it's just, right Is now. it just Amazon? Yeah. See, I don't know this shit. That's just yeah. fucking weird. This show's copyright 2023 by Twisted Blue LLC. All rights are reserved. Remember... If you're hearing this or any part on this of this on anybody else's show or podcast except for Metal Cross Radio, they're lying, thieving bastards. bastards. And we will talk to you guys later on. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.